I'm just thinking so hard about the end of an era, the end yeah. of the Georgia era. The end of oh. the Georgia era. Uh, yeah. Before we dive into the Georgia era, I want there's a point I do want to make. Yes. Which is this. I've been thinking about this since last night, which is for all the slack flack it gets mm-hmm. today, mm-hmm. Austin Powers is a pretty funny movie. <laughs> That's a legitimately funny movie. Why? Why are you? Why were you thinking about this? Because I I came across it and I was like, I just looked at like the beginning of it and I was like, oh yeah, this is like really well made. And then it inspired a bunch of copycats that weren't nearly as good. I went to see the movie Midsummer since the the last time we spoke. Uh, I've seen it a few times, always in the theater, always with snacks. It's a real nail biter, that movie. Real uh, real popcorn flick. And uh, this time there was an interview with Ari Aster after the director said uh somebody like they were doing a q a and people asked a lot of questions that were like look how smart i am yeah which is great because that's a one Q&A. question was what is the significance of all the children in the cult watching austin powers at mm-hmm. one point in the movie and he said i thought that was funny <laughs> like there's like no greater <laughs> meaning there i just thought it was a good joke it was like it is a good joke it's mm-hmm. very like it's one of the only pure laugh out loud moments where you don't feel like something awful is about to happen <laughs> <laughs> Ari Aster, who who went to my college. So he's quite a... Listening to him do a Q&A is very funny because he clearly hates doing Q&As. He who doesn't wouldn't? like talking about his work. He's like, what's the point of making art if I have to explain it? Which I love that point. And that really carried through the rest of the half hour Q&A. Well, especially if you're, if you're doing a Q&A for a bunch of film fans Ooh. who are like the worst... Because, like, I like to think I'm the only good fan of Midsummer. <laughs> no, they're. You heard they're it here the, first. The only good Midsummer fan. Uh, yeah. Oh, hey, by the way. Hello. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Pizza Toast. Oh, yeah. It's a podcast. Uh, my name's Christy. Uh, oh, welcome, I'm welcome. Phil. Wait, what is it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a podcast. It's a podcast yeah. about girls, uh-huh. uh, about uh, YA and middle grade novels about girls and the adaptations thereof. And we have. We've reached the end of the best new thing I've encountered through the show. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say uh-huh. that. I would say that. What, what other yeah. new things have you encountered through the show? I hadn't read a couple of the Sisterhood books. Okay, oh, I hadn't right. read. Um, I kept reading the Princess Diaries books, which I don't know if that counts, but I think it kind of does. And I had zero recollection of the second Princess Diaries movie. <laughs> Also, like, I could recall some of the HBO Babysitter's Club, but there were definitely episodes I'd never seen of that. Yeah. Aside from the aside from the modeling one, which I remembered very clearly for some reason. <laughs> any any episode where babysitters model. But yeah, you've I mean there was a lot of things that were new to you, right? Oh, you've definitely. You've never seen yeah. the the Babysitter's Club movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, never you've saw, not seen uh, the HBO. Yeah. Never saw the uh, Princess Diaries in any capacity. And the first Princess Diaries, pretty good. One of pretty, the better. Pretty things. good. Yeah, we learned and a I'd lot never, about Gary Marshall. We learned so much about Gary Marshall. I'd also never seen the second uh, Sisterhood movie, just because I hadn't bothered. And it's all right. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Remember how somebody dies in the final Sisterhood? Isn't that weird? Of the it's so weird. Somebody, no, remember how somebody's body washes ashore in the yeah and you only kind of find out that she didn't kill herself eventually you're never really sure right Right. i mean uh, but you don't expect a waterlogged corpse to play such a big part in a sisterhood book no especially when that waterlogged corpse was once like the the wise kraken film loving tibby rollins right that, that we all know and love uh this is a the, no one dies in this book, which is nice. Yeah, someone almost died in the last book, but they lived. Would have been rough. Uh, he's alive and well, and mm-hmm. being a cat in this book. Yeah, uh, this book being called "Are Those My Are Is It Are, are these, these Are These My Basumas I See Before Me?" A line said by uh by Dave the Laugh. Dave the Laugh says that line, and he says it in a pretty. I, I mean, like uh, Dave the Laugh. Return to form in this book. Yeah. They will have fully back to being himself in this book. Now, it's worth noting that this is the final book in the Georgia Nicholson series by design. Like it says yes. in the beginning, her note to the reader is that this is it. Readers, mm-hmm. like, thanks for sticking with me for 10 books. This is the end of the Georgia Nicholson series. 
Uh, it's not the end of Georgia Nicholson as a character. She does pop up in the beginning of the next first book in the next series. Uh, a, a series I might have to read yeah. because I, I simply cannot get enough of this girl, especially after this book where she's a pretty good person by now. Like, yeah. whoever said that she doesn't grow at these books, incorrect. She's a, she's different from how she was. She's and if, a, not a, if not a good person, because I don't <laughs> believe that a teenager could ever truly be a good person, <laughs> then at least a more self-aware person. Do you not think Tom is a good person? I mean, we don't know Tom very well, so... <laughs> Do you not think Sven is a good person? Oh, I don't think Sven's a good person <laughs> I don't think at Sven's all. a good person. Uh, I do think Massimo is more of a good person than I once did after this one, too. So. Massimo becomes shockingly... Massimo's maturity level in this book betrays his goodness, but it also betrays something that he figures out, which is that he's way too old for Georgia. He does figure that out, and it's... It's a. It, it doesn't feel like a retread of the Robbie thing. Like it could. Right. It's pretty good. Uh, uh let's. Uh, we can start from the beginning here. Uh, last book ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Oh, say. really? <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, the prior book ended with uh, Fisticuffs of Dawn. Mm-hmm. Georgia interrupting Fisticuffs of Dawn and uh, Mosmo going off with what she's hoping is a minor hump, but turns out to be the mega hump. It is the mega hump. He's mega he's hump. he's humping. He's humping around. <laughs> he says several days of of hump for, yeah. for this man. Uh, or she refers to it getting the humpty dumpty. <laughs> There's a lot of ways she refers to it because <laughs> jazz is forever uh, on and off the hump. But yeah, uh, uh, this is a. I mean, this is the first thing that leads to a good Georgia and her mother conversation, right? Right. Yeah. Right, uh, which is worth noting that Georgia's relationship with her mother continues to grow as her parents' relationship with each other enters a new phase in this book. That was weird. I, I do wanna I do wanna pick at that a little bit just yeah. because it's so very strange. But uh we also get we get more Uncle Eddie in this book than we've had in a while. Like there's mm-hmm. more bad jokes. Uh, George's family has a bit more of a presence than they have in yeah. the last little while, spending quality time with her mom, etc., cetera, et cetera. And somewhat, somewhat disappointingly, but also somewhat refreshingly, uh, many of our of our characters and plot threads are not tied up in this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. This book ends, you said to me when you finished it, you're like, it just ends like any of the other books. We get some nice closure, I believe, with Georgia and Jazz and Georgia yes. and the guys. But her friends, they just keep on living. Like, they just yeah. keep on with their lives. Yeah. Keep on uh, doing the Viking dance, doing mm-hmm. a little bit of uh, Viking disco inferno. Uh, more additions to the Ace Gang. So so much going on that, yeah. that we just leave behind at the end. Because uh, things are more or less, like, um, not going to say resolved, but things are in a good place at the end of the day with these books. Yes. Uh, so yeah, so she's she's on the outs with Massimo, or she, so she thinks. Yes. Uh, what she sees as the hump is kind of Massimo. You find out more like reflecting on what he did and being embarrassed by what he did, and mm-hmm. sort of figuring out what's going on with Georgia. Right, and there has been this issue with her relationship with Massimo the entire time. That's never been something. Certainly, it's never been something with Dave, and it's definitely a much lesser extent with Robbie, where they don't really have anything they talk about. Yeah. don't have anything in common. They just kiss. They, mm-hmm. they just uh, like each other, think the other is cute. She thinks he's the handsomest boy ever. And uh, she likes having that in her life. And he is starting to realize that Georgia seems to have more fun with her friends mm-hmm. than she does with him. And I mean, he does get to kiss her spectacularly in front yeah. of all of them at some point. But before that, he is a... What is with boys writing letters in this series? It's a real That's a thing. big thing. It's almost <laughs> as if like the boys in these stories cannot express themselves when they are face to face with a girl. And I with Massimo, he can barely speak English. Right. So right. it's like he needs to gather his wits and then write write letters to Georgia. He actually makes the most sense when he's writing letters to Georgia, and yet they still had to have the entire Ace Gang decipher postcards oh, yeah. from him when he was in a. Uh, Pizza go-go land. But yeah, I mean, Massimo has to think about what's happening. Yeah. That's a, that's the first chunk of the book is Georgia being uncertain about whether they are still together or not. Yeah, but he talks with Dave the Laugh. He actually says he has a talk with Dave, yes. who explains to Massimo that they're just mates. 
and nothing lies else. to Massimo that they're just mates. And Dave is seeing a girl, and there's nothing going on with him in Georgia. And every time he has to talk about this with Georgia, Dave gets very sad. Dave gets very sad. Dave, uh, he's handling it a little better than he did in the prior books. Like, he's getting less angry about it. But he is, like, he'll just kind of, as politely as possible, hang up on Georgia when he's yeah. having too many feelings. It's very sweet and very <laughs> sad. Uh, I like Dave again in this book. Uh, I, like, uh, I like how things yeah. shake out with Dave in this yeah. book. But yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Massimo believes Dave the Laugh is... Mm-hmm is uh, embarrassed by what he did, like how aggressive he was. Uh, but he does have to think about it before he can decide if he and Georgia should be together. Right. So uh, should we just basically cover her Massimo arc first? Like where yeah, that goes? That is most of the book. I think. Yeah. Like we've got we've got Rob and Jewel going mm-hmm. on. Uh, we've got, I don't know, Libby practicing kissing on Mr. Potato Head and... And we have her parents in a very weird yeah. twist. But yeah. And yeah, we have Jazz like... we have Jazz making a decision about her relationship with Tom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have uh Georgia discovering she actually likes going to the nature reserve. Yeah, which I really enjoy. Uh yeah. yeah, we get some we get some changes of scenery here. No big trips except to the nature reserve. Right. But yeah. Uh yeah, so she um eventually it, there is a stiff Dylan's gig. Of course, mm-hmm. there's always a stiff Dylan's gig. And Massimo does kiss her there. And they decide to keep uh, being together. Although there is, of course, the wrench in the plan, which is he's going to have to go make music at some point. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like they're they're supposed to go to London, I believe, mm-hmm. to record a record. Record a record. Record a record. Record and... a record. <laughs> oh my god, I never thought about that. How upsetting. <laughs> How weird. And uh, the he basically has to decide, like, can we be a long distance couple or can we not? But it's not even that. It's, or do you come with me? Or yeah. it, it eventually becomes... So this is very parallel to what happened earlier in the series. The Stiff yes. Dylans start making it big. The boys are going to have to move to the big city. Mm-hmm. What is Georgia to do? But it's very telling that she's in a different place now than yeah. she was earlier on. And what ends up happening is Massimo makes the decision that he's just not going to go off with the Stiff Dylans Because he understands that Georgia is very much attached to her home, to her friends. And he's like, you know what? I'm older than you. I can get another singing career off the ground if I want to, but I'd rather, I don't want you to have to leave home. So I'm just going to stay here. Yeah. And Georgia is not desperate to go with him when he is planning on going. It's not yeah. like how she would constantly talk about how she was going to go off to, uh, what are, what is America called? A hamburger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she really, like, she had this big plan where she was going to move with Robbie. She was going to travel around and be a backup dancer. But now she's more clear-eyed about it and less willing to indulge in this particular fantasy. Yeah. Um, and the way it ends up, you know, spoilers, end of the story <laughs> is, uh, Massimo, she tells Massimo to go without her. Yes. And you can tell that that was what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the Stiff Dillons get in trouble from their management. They're like, oh, because Robbie is back in the Stiff Dillons. Right. And now the thing with the Stiff Dillons is they have two lead singers, like the Bare Naked Ladies. And Do you think the Stiff Dillons are modeled after the Bare Naked Ladies? That would... Much to consider. <laughs> and that the, the record label is like, we only want the band. It's not the same band without the two lead singers. Right. Like the Bare Naked Ladies. Uh-huh. And they keep making that. Once Stephen Page leaves and it's just Ed Robertson as the lead, it's a different band. No one wants that. How can they even do what a goodbye at that point? I know. Like, you, can't. you can't. You simply can't. You can give... The drummer, some of the songs. Uh, you can give uh, the keyboardist some of the songs, but it's just not the same. You need Ed and Steve to sing "If I Had a Million Dollars." And that is true. We need you need a call and response, and I'm sure all of the Stiff Dylan songs involve such call and responses. Right. I mean, they are clearly writing music so they can accommodate both boys. Right. And yeah, the band management is like, we, we're not taking right. one singer, we're taking both singers or nothing. And 
it is true that Massimo wants to do this. Yeah. He it, ultimately he wants to leave Georgia behind, but he also is giving Georgia an out here because he's not as I don't think he's ever come across as dumb. No. But he is more aware than he was letting on of how badly Georgia wants to be there and perhaps also how badly Georgia would like to be in a different relationship at this yeah. point. Yeah. I, it's clear that Massimo really likes Georgia. He says it a lot. He really mm-hmm. likes her. Uh, we don't know what it is about her he likes that much. He keeps saying that she's crazy. Or not crazy, just like he doesn't get her, but like that's attractive. I mean, from what I gather, from what little Georgia tells us about other people's perceptions of her, it seems that Georgia is just a very like attractive person, like to be around, like just to be in the same room as her. You're drawn to her presence. That's all I can get. She has a magnetism that other girls and other i mean other teens in this series don't really have like right everyone seems to like her the only person who hates her is wet Lindsay, mm-hmm. and it is because wet Lindsay is a villain everyone wet. else and and like authority figures don't like her but that seems like one of those situations where okay all her teachers are awful we know yeah. that already and some of them do like her like the yeah. one like hair Con- the good the good teachers is what i was saying miss wilson and hair County <laughs> are both like on board with her with her silliness and mm-hmm. especially because she ends up being very enthusiastic about the play and pretends not to be the entire time but yeah she really digs into the role of mercutio which i was excited for her to do so she so massimo goes on his way he gives her a goodbye kiss and then leaves mm-hmm. and it it fits like it's fitting and, yeah. and she's not broken up by it she's a little shocked mm-hmm. but it's 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 the right choice and uh, i think louise renison does a good job at positioning all the characters so that it it comes across as a right the right choice right uh it also creates an opportunity yeah uh for the newly single uh dave the left to step in and when Dave the Left breaks up with Emma. He, uh, and Jazz hears about it and reports it back to Georgia because she is Radio Jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emma indicates that there is somebody else for Dave the Left. Georgia at this point should know that she is the someone else, but assumes there is some other woman who's out of the picture. She's very sad about it. This is the second time in the series this has happened, where a boy has said that there's someone else and Georgia does not realize it's her. I can't remember who the other one it's was. The other time is when Lindsay is talking about uh, Georgia and, and Massimo. And okay. he's saying, I really like this girl, but I haven't decided oh. if I can commit to her. And again, in that time, it feels like Georgia just has blinders on and Jazz keeps saying, it's probably you. And I, and I think that that speaks to, uh, I mean, I know it's certainly been the case in my life, where you find out later on that someone had a thing for you and everyone around you is like, you didn't know that this person yep. was coming on to you the entire yep. time or attracting you the entire time just because the concept is just so alien to my way of thinking and i assume that for her she knows that she's attracted to a lot of guys but i think she still believes that she is not as attractive to people as she is well, she's still fixated on specific parts of her appearance she's getting yeah. less so but like She's always been bothered by her nose. Mm-hmm. She does a, She has a lot of issues with how she's going to do her hair. Like there, right. there are these kind of recurring themes. But yeah, uh, I mean, Dave the Laugh makes his move, and it is clear that they will be dating after this. They are dating at the yeah. end of this book. Finally. And she has a great conversation with with Chaz at the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, uh, "Oh God, where is it, Jazz? Okay." Um, Jazz says, I'm sorry, because she tells Jazz, you know, like, Massimo broke up with me, or we broke up, and she says, I'm sorry, you liked him for ages, I know, and he is lovely. I know I said the Dave thing, because earlier Jazz was yes. given an ultimatum on, who do you like, who would you go out with, Jazz, Dave the Laugh or Massimo? And and she was like, well, Dave the Laugh, obviously. Yeah, because he's like, a laugh. Because he's a laugh. And yeah. George is just blown away by this. <laughs> and so she says, I know I said the Dave thing, and I think you really were right to like him, but... And George is like, but what? And she says, well, he always made you nervous. And, you know, we're only like, well, we're not like Jewel, meaning Juliet, are we? I mean, we aren't going to get married, are we? Just yet? Or, well, I think we need our pals. And we need to grow up a bit together, like a little family. And then Georgia says, I would really miss you if you weren't here, Jazz. (laughs) 
And it's very just like Jazz throwing out this like world of wisdom. She's like, we're not we're not getting married to anyone. This is, this is yeah. This is also indicative of her knowing that ultimately she and Tom are probably not going to stay together. Like they're right. going to take their space because but, she has officially given Tom the go ahead to go to college somewhere else. Yeah, and not and, worry about her. Yeah, and with the the implicit and I think at some point explicit. Uh, caveat that like he could date other people like that's right gonna meet other people because uh, he's thinking of going to school in america this is just not viable for them to right. stay together and yeah. i know that we talk about jazz's fringe flicking a lot in this series a lot of like her weird like fiddly little habits but she seems great like i yeah. really like i mean she ends up being probably my favorite character in these books yeah she ends up being friends with wet Lindsay kind of for a while she can't help it, though. Like, yeah. there's no way around it. Like, because Robbie is dating Wet Lindsay. I mean, by the end, he breaks up with Wet right. Lindsay because it's clear he doesn't actually want to be dating her and is placating her. But there's a great scene where Wet Lindsay does some baby talk and it's oh, very upsetting to everyone involved. <laughs> and uh, there's also this, like, the only time the gay panic jokes actually make sense and are pretty funny in okay, context. Yes. yes. The only time this could possibly funny is, be funny is uh, Miss Wilson is having a lot of trouble casting a Romeo to Jess's jewel and ultimately goes outside of their class and casts Wet Lindsay. And it is just nonstop ribbing from Georgia and Tom about how, like, oh, it's going to be great when you're with your new boyfriend. Yeah. Jazz is just just stricken at the fact that she's going to have to kiss wet Lindsay on stage uh plus they don't like wet Lindsay. Uh, plus everyone seems like almost upset at jazz for having to do this like there's like a level of like there's a, there's a hostility to their ribbing where it's just like i can't believe you're gonna kiss wet Lindsay on stage but she ultimately does not have to kiss wet Lindsay nope. on stage because wet Lindsay is doing some academic program and therefore she just has to kiss the girl who the only thing we know about her is that she has large breasts. Melanie Griffiths. <laughs> who does also break the balcony during the <laughs> Wherefore Art Thou scene. Melanie Griffiths, we know that she's top heavy. Mm-hmm. We know that she's maybe a little clumsy because she's top heavy. Yeah. We know that she's done nothing wrong. Right. None of this is on her. She's, she's a pure soul. I wonder why Louise Renison named her Melanie Griffiths, which it is really, so close to Melanie Griffith that it's, it was really bothering me yesterday when I was like looking back on this book. Like, what what decision making process led to that? Right, because Melanie Griffith is a very famous actor. Yeah, and and like I was thinking, is she only famous in America? But no, when an American actor is very famous. Then they're famous everywhere. They're famous everywhere. Like when you date, when you are married to Don Johnson and Antonio and Banderas. Antonio Banderas. When Dakota Johnson is, when Tippi Hedren is your mother. <laughs> I forgot that she is also a nepotism baby. Incredible. She's a nepotism. <laughs> it's nepotism, baby. Uh, <laughs> then, yes. When you are the star of Working Girl. <laughs> yes. You are famous. When you have been in Milk Money and Mulholland Falls, you are famous. <laughs> the only one I... The, I'm realizing the only movie I know a lot about in her catalog is Something Wild because, of course, it was covered on Blackjack at some point. <laughs> <laughs> For me, the, uh, the the Melanie Griffith movie that always got talked about was Cherry 2000. Is, and it, is it sexy? Is that why? It's about... she. If I remember correctly, she's like a... She's like a sex robot. Okay, yeah, in the no, future, but who like out. I think that's what it is or there is a sex robot. I've never seen it. But in junior high, everyone talked about it like it was a super sexy movie, but then I would mm-hmm. see like commercials for it cuz it came on like just television. I, and I'd be like this just looks like a like a future movie, like a yeah. Like, I think it's, like, satirical, yeah. maybe, but, like, I don't think it's actually sexy, but everyone thought it was sexy. So that was my Melanie Griffith. <laughs> this is, like, how everyone that I was friends with in high school loved Donnie Darko because they thought it was so deep. And, look, Donnie Darko is an okay Okay, it might even be a good movie, but there's no depth to it. It's one of, like, the most shallow time travel movies, if anything. Remember when they came out with a director's cut that somehow made it even more shallow? <laughs> By explaining with- it all? <laughs> Remember when they came out with a sequel called S. Darko and everyone hated it? S. Darko and American Psycho 2 
are two DVDs that for some reason I owned. <gasps> Great films. I, I understand it. I, under- I get that. I think because we got them in at work, but they were like distributor copy that like you couldn't sell them. This is back right. when I worked at a used bookstore. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up going home with S. Darko and American Psycho 2. <laughs> American Psycho 2, which wasn't even an American Psycho sequel until they decided to make it one by adding in a, pre- a, uh, a prologue with uh, with uh what's his face the bateman uh yeah yeah patrick patrick (laughs) my friend patrick bateman (laughs) which also made which also made the uh all of american psycho one real like because the whole point of american psycho is did this really happen or was it all in his head and no it really happened it was a guy named patrick bateman he's american (laughs) psycho and this is the little girl who survived one of his rampages and now she's now she's an american psycho also william shatner's in this movie Uh, welcome to our barely sanctioned sequels podcast. <laughs> S. Darko. S. Darko exists. Uh, Richard Kelly's probably very upset. Okay, yeah. So this book. Um, what else happens? You got a. You got some ramen jewel. Got we got some, some ramen. Jewel. So ramen jewel goes off without a hitch. Uh, uh, Georgia. <laughs> Not is, really. <laughs> Georgia is playing uh, 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 Mercutio, right? Yeah, and Ellen's playing Tybalt. <laughs> Which is would you guess? Ellen is the Tybalt. I feel like Rosie is right there for Tybalt. Just like this charming, bombastic person who is constantly making out with her boyfriend. One thing I do love about this take on Romeo and Juliet is that Georgia makes a huge deal about the fact that she's cast as Mercutio because they're like, oh, you're funny, Georgia. And he's like the comic relief. (laughs) And then she reads it and she's like, this isn't funny at all. He just talks about Queen Mab and how she rides around in like a, in a, like in a, in a sleigh the size of a walnut. And this isn't funny. She just lurks. I'm going to call him McLurkio. (laughs) (laughs) She does call him McLurkio. I, I mean, I would argue that Mercutio is in fact the comic relief. Yeah. And she she nails it at the end of the day because Georgia should just be an actress. Like this is a thing that she should be doing. She's very she's very dramatic. Yeah. That you sound like a parent. Well, it's not like That's what okay, a parent so, says. I, oh, you should do drama because you're very dramatic. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of I mean, I was I feel like I'm echoing in whichever sisterhood book it is where Carmen goes into acting and people keep saying how dramatic she is. Here it makes sense. There it made no sense. It made no sense. <laughs> it made no sense. Carmen's I'm, not I'm, even that dramatic. Carmen should be a writer. That's the rule. Anyway. I'm sorry. I still have Cherry 2000 up on my on my I screen, understand. and the cast list is up. And not only is Lawrence Fishburne in it, uh, Robert Zadar as well. So Robert Zadar, of the squarest face of all. We're straddling all these like worlds. Tim Thomerson is in it. Melanie Griffith. Just I can't get over this movie. Uh, should probably get this movie (laughs) from the director of uh uh several episodes of lizzie mcguire oh of course (laughs) lizzie mcguire there's a uh if only it began as a book series we should talk (laughs) about next (laughs) wait what were we talking about oh yeah romeo and juliet so uh good stuff all the all of the town comes to see this of course she tries to lie to her parents about what (laughs) night it's it's showing but they they find out from jazz's parents they're like jokes on you we already know it's very funny that she tries to give them the wrong tape for it her grandfather is in the front row of course and as soon as melanie griffiths walks out on stage he's like oh she's a big girl isn't she this poor girl mortified on her behalf it, you say it goes off without a hitch no she uh, breaks the balcony during it but yeah. it would not be a performance at stalag 14 without something terrible happening and of course for the second show running dave the laugh shuts off the stage lights in the middle of a scene just to make people fall <laughs> which is his thing why are they giving dave this job again like he has one job and you know he's going to do the wrong thing <laughs> You ask, why would they make this decision again? This is a production of Romeo and Juliet in which nauseating pea green wants to play the dog so bad <laughs> that the teacher writes a role of a dog for her into the script. Why? I, uh, I don't. And its name I, is Pongo. And you know I mean, her name is Pongo because it says so on her collar. I remember how very briefly. It seemed like nauseating pea green was going to be more of a part of George's life. And then Louise Renison was like, I can't handle writing this girl anymore. Yes. Uh, she says, nauseating pea green has brought some proper dog. Bi- oh, yeah. Uh, originally, the, I think the dog is a puppet dog. 
originally. Yes. So she brings yes. it and says, Nauseating Pea Green has brought some proper dog biscuits in for her puppet dog, which she has told everyone is called Pongo. Jazz said to Pea Green, I can't just call you Pongo, you know. It's not in the script. Pea Green said, No, but you will know that it's my name, and I will know it's my name. I said, Uh, Pamela, how will we know it's your name if no one says your name? And Nauseating Pea Green said, I've got it on my dog collar. And she has. <laughs> this is the end of that little section. Like, I love, I love Georgia. I love the end she has. Because it's a huge, just Georgia just being like, that's yep. li- really all I have to say about this stupid subject. No more commentary. Uh, also, uh, checking in on Georgia's family. Her mother. Can you explain to me what happens here? Because it's so bonkers. Well, her parents start getting into fights. A lot of them. Yeah. And her parents do the thing where they literally give each other the silent treatment and yeah. like make Georgia be a go-between, which is incredibly juvenile, but also feels like it's just her mother sinking to her father's level. I can't remember. Was it this book or the last book where her mother finally calls the father out on the car and everything? Prior book. That this was the prior a, book. Yeah. So we've seen them. We've seen the tension building. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, they stop talking to each other. And you're wondering it, what's going to happen with it. Her mother starts going out a lot with her friends and Georgia yes. tags along. Yeah, uh, that's when they go to like the safari park. Right. And Georgia sees all the uh, the cats that look like Angus. And <laughs> that becomes like her new thing is loving all these cats. Uh, I can visualize sweet. exactly which kinds of wild cats she's talking about. Too. Yeah. Like palace cats and fishing cats. It makes me really happy. <laughs> and so what happens is she, her mother and her mother's friends start doing a like, I guess like a a class or a seminar? Yeah, some kind of man-trapping seminar. Uh, or rather, it sounds like it is some, like, I bet this is like a three-day conference where you are learning to be a confident, self-possessed woman. Yeah. You're asking what you, for what you deserve for the first time in your life. Because she just starts making demands of George's father and he sees what she wants and is like yep i'll do that yeah it's it's, it's uh it's framed as men are very attracted to and desperately want to be told what to do and they don't want and, and to an extent there is some truth to this the, the idea not to like draw too much of a black and white binary yeah, no. here but there is some truth to the fact that just knowing what's going on is just it's very like relaxing and <laughs> So her mother, instead of like yelling at her dad or like complaining about things to her dad or anything, just tells her dad, do this, do this and do this. But you, she asks it politely. Would you please do this? Yeah. She almost frames it as though it's his idea mm-hmm. in some cases. And that makes it easier for her to, I don't know, like manipulate feels like a mean word, but that is sort of what she's doing. But the father is immediately on board with it he starts dressing properly again he calms down he starts like being polite to georgia like knocking on her door before entering yeah it's almost as if the parents were so off in their own little world that that's what caused the house to become this chaos and by her mother finally just going no this is what i want out of life her father is finally able to like get some focus into his life yeah but it works it's another instance of this book just tying things up fairly well because mm-hmm. now there's the absence of conflict in her house. Sure, things are still wild there. Yeah. Everyone's still a little bit nuts. Still have Libby. They still have Libby, who's such an agent of chaos and such a good younger sibling character because she is just like a like a gremlin. Like I love it. I love that they yeah. haven't tried to make her a real person. She steals and- Massimo's bike helmet at one point when he's there to visit and yes. she won't give it back and it's this like sort of aggressive campaign on her part to keep she it away from it. Him. She loves the bike helmet. Yeah, who would probably loves it. That's she loves it. But let's never forget that Georgia adores Libby. And yeah. so she never has a bad thing to say about her except for the superficial. And that when <laughs> Libby tells her she loves her, it like melts Georgia's heart over and over again. Good older sister. I mean, my very favorite thing is when she's reading Heidi to Libby for however many times. And Libby, Libby's favorite part is when a girl falls out of a wheelchair. Yeah. She laughs and laughs and Jordan says, it's not right. And that's the end of that chapter. <laughs> what a uh, wonderful series. <laughs> so we have Libby in her little like story. We have Angus who's still recovering from his accident. Mm-hmm. He's still a little wobbly on his feet, but he's doing okay. They get a new... They get a bird. Why do they get a bird? 
the dad comes home with it, doesn't he? Isn't that what of happens? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what happens. They have this poor bird who is now in a cage and just lives its life on the edge. Like, because there's yeah. these two cats now that just glare at it all day. They're just always watching this bird. This is a thing, I, a running gag in my home is that one of our cats wants a kitten and thinks he would take really good care of it. Uh-huh. And, my, and my thought is, like, we can't get him anything smaller than a kitten because he'll just eat it. These cats really want to eat this bird. We have no proof that I think Angus has eaten birds in the past. Like, I think he's walked in with them before. Oh, yeah. No, she finds dead animals in her and birds and mice, everything in her bed. Like, that's... yeah. Because he's bringing them to her because he loves her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Angus, Angus does wrong. earn his keep, though, in this book. Uh, and a little bit of uh, a little bit of closure for this little plot line. The, uh, the jerky boys who, who hang out on her street are harassing Georgia. And Angus and Gordy... Uh, Gordy? Yeah, Gordy. Yeah, jump up <laughs> on, the, on the wall and just glare at them. And I glare at them and glare at them until the boys are so uncomfortable they go away. And it's... And George is like, yay! <laughs> I do. I will say, like, a cat staring at you is very unnerving, even if it is your own cat. So yeah. if it's somebody else's cat, particularly the cat of somebody that you're harassing, that's gotta, it's gotta shake you up a little bit. We have a, we have a front hallway in our house on the first floor, and it's d- dark. Like, there's no lighting in it, and, mm-hmm. uh, and but there's nothing in the hallway. Like, it leads right. off to the bathroom, and on the other side is the living room. And Apollo will just sit against the wall in that hallway looking at nothing but like completely upright and so you'll walk in and he'll just be standing there and then he'll look up at you in that cat way and you're like god why are you here like there's nothing going on here i mean i will sometimes not realize that a cat is in the room and then i'll look up and it's been looking at me for however long and you can't a thing in books is that you could feel somebody looking at you. That's not true. True. That's not true. <laughs> that's no, what, like, what, what usually happens with us is I will think the cat's in the room and then it will have been a hat for the entire time, <laughs> like out of the corner of my eye. Oh, yeah. No, I have a black cat. So if like there's a if there's a black sweater just like bundled up on the floor, that's the cat. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wait, what? This is just my hat. <laughs> I'm sure there's been a child's book written about this that rhymes oh. hat with cat. Almost certainly. Yeah. I mean, there is a book of, that rhymes cat with hat. It's a very famous book. I've read that book. <laughs> yeah, there's two of them. <laughs> in, in, the, in the second book, he comes back. He does. What so I've heard. I wish more sequels were just titled, like, This Guy Comes Back. <laughs> right, the yeah. first thing that came to mind was Deadpool Comes Back, which would be a better movie. <laughs> I mean, The Empire Strikes Back. That, that is that, true. That happens. <laughs> if it was called Luke Skywalker Comes Back, that would be... Perfect. The Force comes back. Star Wars comes back. Star Wars. Star Wars comes back. Star Wars three. I don't know if this is as funny as I think it is. Is this like one of the? Is this like a pants situation? <laughs> this is this is this is for adults. This is the adult version of pants. My my tights runneth over is something that Dave the Laugh says in this book. We're not doing this as chronologically as we sometimes do because it's so simple. It is very simple. Uh, There's a lot going on. We discussed the fact that Jazz gave Tom the 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 permission to to go on with his life. Yeah, um, which only seems to strengthen their relationship, Mm -hmm. uh, which bodes well for the relationship. It does. I look. High school couples don't stay together very often, but this does feel like a scenario in which they could reunite and at least be good friends later in life, right? I mean. I have a friend who he and his high school girlfriend, who was the first girl he ever kissed, first girl he ever dated, uh, went off to different colleges in different parts of the country. He, they're from here, but he went off to Louisiana and she went off somewhere. Mm-hmm. And they waited and then they got married. And now they have like seven kids. So it does happen. It happens. And Jazz and Tom both love like nudes and owls and nature so much. They, they could like be like other. they could end up being like uh like what's her face Steve Irwin and his wife like That'd be very sweet yeah. yeah so and have a couple of Steve Irwin and his wife esque children <laughs> like Bindi Irwin is that who you're which one's to? Bindi I couldn't remember Bindi's the girl uh Bindi's wedding was uh photographed exclusively for People magazine <laughs> Bindi Bindi Irwin uh there was a video game called like 
bendy and the ink machine and that's all i can think of that makes sense it's a creepy yeah. it's a creepy cartoon game <laughs> <laughs> but no bendy what bendy or when what are we talking about oh uh, izzy's koala Jess. world uh <laughs> izzy's koala world on uh on netflix which i watched the last episode of last night it's the only izzy's koala world i've ever seen uh I have never heard of it. It's this. about a little girl whose parents run a koala rescue in Australia. It's a true it's a true series. This seems like a thing I would like actually. The episodes are 15 minutes long each. Her name is Izzy. That's her real name. Her name is Izzy B B E E. They run a koala rescue. The koalas all have adorable names and they all do okay, trust me. And <laughs> if you just want to watch a show, I guess, where a child talks about koalas and you see a lot of koalas hugging each other and being carried around and getting their health issues taken care of izzy's koala world do they do the thing where they carry them around on their arms out like that that's something they do at some zoos to keep them so they don't bite you (laughs) these koalas don't bite nothing these koalas are i mean this show it's a it's a children's reality show it is so edited and obviously re-scripted from this footage they got (laughs) like you don't see their faces their mouths in most shots where there's dialogue. So it's like, oh, mum, where's, where's, where'd the koala go, mum? And they're like, oh, the koala's over. Oh, look at it. It looks so happy. And you're like, oh, I, they just dubbed all this in later. Seems like, it's great. just a bunch of uh, shots of people and koalas. But it's cute and uh, <laughs> it's seeing a lot of like it. Uh, what are we talking about? Uh, these books. Uh, there's really, I mean, this is this is just going to show there's not that much to say about this book after you get over the Mosmo and Dave of it all. Like, Dave is dating Emma in this book. Mm-hmm. He breaks up with Emma before he ever accidentally kisses Georgia again. Yeah. Good on him. They have, a, uh, they have a few close calls. Yes, but you never do it. Uh, and at one point he even says, like, you, you've chosen Mosmo. And they're both uh, they're both sad about it. And it's after that scene that he breaks up with Emma. We have uh, some weird pop cultural references. There is a yeah. major scene that centers on the bizarre uh, phenomenon of the sing along version of the Sound of Music. Yeah, that is weird. Remember that? Weird yeah, that was like it's a really thing. strange. Mm-hmm. It, it sure was. Uh, something else: Emma, Dave, Massimo, the Titches. The Titches, yeah, these these girls who are obsessed with Dave the Laugh, who have a little poem that they say about him, and it's one of the only times that Dave has ever been totally speechless. They 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 rewrite the 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 uh, the We Love You Conrad song from yes. uh, from Bye Bye Birdie into We Love You Dave the Laugh, and <laughs> yeah, they they confront him with their performance. It's fully choreographed at the bar at the like the the the, 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 the club. Yeah, and he's just like. He's dumbfounded. It's the only yeah. time Dave has has ever not known how to respond to oh, a girl. Uh, they also something. help out when Massimo shows up at the school. Because Massimo keeps showing up at her school and she gets in trouble for publicly snogging him. And gets called into uh, the headmistress's office. We do not fi- ever find out what exactly was discussed. All we know is that it was snogging and that it <laughs> traumatized uh georgia to no end this was definitely them talking to her about safe sex right yeah. <laughs> yeah. it had to have been because when they had their uh like uh, their sex education earlier in the series it wasn't really about that it was like very much dancing around that and this has to be the first time that georgia's ever heard it from an authority figure yes the, the worst authority figure <laughs> uh georgia's mother uses the term uh tonsil tonguing at one point mm-hmm. to say what she would have done with dave when she was younger it's very upsetting very <laughs> Yeah, but also, uh, parents but of the also world her mother is pretty great in this book. So it's never okay. explicitly detail how attracted you are to any of your uh, child's friends. That's her a... mother does that consistently with her boys. That's like a thing that she does. That's just upsetting. <laughs> uh, Libby practices kissing Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> Says it's Who, nice. Remember, is a real potato. <laughs> yes. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Libby so much there should be a Libby specific glossary but it's really just her adding lots of letters to specific words Georgia considers practicing on the Mr. Potato Head at one point but then he starts turning green (laughs) and it's the most mortifying thought she's ever had yeah (laughs) a lot of good a lot of good little George details as ever Mm -hmm. this is I were you satisfied were you happy with this book I loved the ending um Mm -hmm. like like I said I felt like it didn't 
it didn't try to sum everything up. Like everyone just kind of lives their lives. But it does end with her and Dave together. <laughs> and she says, so as Billy Shakespeare said, forsooth and verily all endeth happily in the snogging department. Probably. Or something. <laughs> what do you think? I'll be the last to know. And what a great little ending. It's just very fitting. It, uh, it, it feels like a, like a nice button without actually buttoning anything at all. It's just, uh, George, George, is done, George is done writing in her notebook. It's a very flea bag ending where she just kind of waves goodbye to us and we're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she, yeah, there's a final note from her where she's just, she sings, you'll never snog alone to us. <laughs> uh, and yeah. Uh, this is not, the, the, you can cut this. I never realized that, uh, Libby saying sex bum all the time was because her father sings the, the Tom Jones song sex bum around the yeah. house because sex bum came way before him singing that came, right. like several books before. That's all. This is she, important. She also sings, uh, dancing queen, but she says, uh, oh God, what does she say? <laughs> Something wild. It's, it's, it's. It's very well done in in interpreting what a small child might think. Dancing bee? Something like that. Dance, <laughs> it dancing is dancing bee. Yeah, it's dancing bee. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, and that's, that's the final confession of Georgia Nicholson. I wish I'd read these books when I was younger because they are so, so funny. Uh, they're a better reflection of what... <laughs> A more accurate reflection of what being a teenager feels like than a lot of books. The the sheer chaos is really brought to the fore. And I I like that she's weird. I like that she's really strange. Mm-hmm. And she by the end of the series, she knows she's weird, but she's finally kind of embracing it. Like she doesn't pretend to be somebody else when she's around the boy that she likes. She acts the same way all of the time. She's always been genuine with her friends. Yeah. And then she realizes that that the the real friends were were Dave the Laugh the whole time. (laughs) Dave the Laugh the whole time. (laughs) The whole time. Um, Yeah. uh, We were actually discussing this book uh, last night because Alana's been reading a book on junior high school age kids Mm -hmm. and trials and tribulations of raising them. And it pointed out that, like, you know, set the example for your kids, the kind of relationships you want them to have be that relationship for them so they can mm-hmm. see you demonstrate how to have a good relationship. And uh, and it struck me that throughout this book, Georgia comes to the realization that Jazz's parents, Jazz and Tom have a pretty stable thing going, a respectful, stable relationship, and that her parents do as well. Like, Georgia mm-hmm. sees her parents as boring and, you know, like odd because they are polite and kind. <laughs> uh, but she actually, in the later books, starts, you know, blaming her own parents behavior for the fact that she has such a weird time with boys and doesn't know what to do with herself half the time because and i started thinking like i think she's right like oh, her yeah, parents don't demonstrate healthy relationships at all so no. yeah her parents are insane yeah. <laughs> it's not good it but is not it's not good yeah good book uh we're not gonna talk about anything next week are we <laughs> no because goodness we're gonna take a hiatus aren't we Let's take a bit of a break here. Yeah, we need to recharge. We need to figure out what we're doing next because Netflix canceled our nest egg. Yeah, apparently Netflix is canceling everything. So sure seems like it. Yeah, Uh, just canceled Raising Dion. Canceled Archive 81. The only shows on Netflix that I cared about in the last however long. Still have Russian Doll, but they'll probably cancel Russian Doll, won't they? (laughs) Since they got rid of their original animation department, People are kind of confused because it's not all their animation because some of their animation is not done in house. Right. But, uh, we're very scared about the future of uh, about the future of Kid Cosmic. Yeah, you, is, you like that show. I right? do like that show a lot. Ugh. I so. mean, I feel like that at this point it doesn't matter if something is. This is a whole thing. It doesn't matter if something's critically acclaimed. It's if they didn't tailor their algorithm to push right. it on people that it's not going to work. But yeah. Remember when I said, used to say, man, they should have done the animated Babysitter's Club. I guess that wouldn't have made any difference. Oh, it would have been so good, though. Yeah. Go go to Mr. Netflix and, and settle this score. Uh, so yeah, uh, I guess... Hmm. Can follow us on Twitter where we won't be tweeting for a while because we'll yeah. be on break uh, until to- Twitter goes to oh, yeah. the devil. I, I, mean, I guess it, is like yeah, the, the Twitter was just purchased by a megalomaniac who yeah. uh, 
I think the uh, the the shouts on Murphy's headline was today was I love free speech so much that that's why I bought it, yes. <laughs> which I really love. Uh, uh, yeah, and, yeah. So uh, for now, really funny is, I don't know if you remember. It wasn't terribly long ago that everyone was making the exodus from Facebook to Twitter. There mm-hmm. was like this huge like I can't believe this place is so corrupt and they all went to twitter but now they're all going back to facebook which is very funny i'm like you're just ping-ponging between two billionaire owned social media sites who are trying to manipulate world politics i'm going on i'm going on peach i'm going on either peach or mastodon that's my next step Uh, so if you want to find us in the future, we will be on uh, Discord. We'll have our own r- subreddit. <laughs> Honestly, Discord would be great because it would be very quiet. And every once in a while, somebody would be like, here's a meme. Uh, that's my favorite thing about Discord. Uh, yeah, Pizza Toast Bahad in the meantime. Uh, yeah. Same at Gmail. Uh, for now, Phil is P. Corey Gonzalez on Twitter. I'm oh. Christy Admiral. I'm probably not leaving anytime soon. It's going to be awful, but I... <sighs> I just hold out hope that there will be days like the day the llamas is, like got out of a farm in Brooklyn and ran around the borough for six hours. <laughs> there was a literal live feed. Were we ever so young? It anyway. Is the, it is the only like place where you can be like, type into the search bar, uh, loud explosion and your street name and find out immediately what's yeah. going on. Yeah, that's a thing. Like, it's just like, I, I think Twitter in its purest form is everyone being like, look at this weird thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. And now it's, there's not going to be any of that. And... Or me watching like horror noir on Shudder and just following every single commentator in horror noir so that I can be a little more in tune with like uh, cultures and subcultures that I am not a part of. <laughs> that's the thing. And it's also like, where I work has to use it very heavily because that's a, like the uh, sci-fi fantasy community is super tight knit and there's a lot of authors on that. Okay. This is is our, uh, I'm going to stop making pro Twitter rants. That was the most Miss Piggy noise I've ever made. (laughs) Are we going to, are we going to start selling pizza toast NFTs anytime soon? (laughs) A bored ape, but it has pizza (laughs) and it's a, and it's, terrifying hand that someone hands. someone start us or a subreddit go ahead i dare you do it do it uh yeah well uh for now i mean like what are we saying goodbye to how about for now we're gonna say goodbye to our fans oh that's very sweet until we come uh, back and we will be back yes. yes uh goodbye fans goodbye fans 